Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 10 through 18, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and 11 through 12, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, and Psalm 32, verse 1 through 8. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts always be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. In my letter to the congregation several weeks ago, I mentioned that I was turning 75 this, this month and had family members come to town to help me celebrate. My sister, who will be 90 next year, she's wanting me not to rush that, um, Tricia, my brother's daughter, Ryan, my son, and my granddaughter, Elia. Elia is 11. And, and there were some challenges in figuring out how to keep an 11-year-old and an 89-year-old completely satisfied all the time. But they were all good sports. So during the visit, we intentionally drove past Pat's and my childhood home. Um, my sister had a checklist of things she wanted to do given that a, a visit to Cincinnati is very rare for her. So we drove past this home that's on the corner of Linwood and Cryer Avenue. And I had loved that home. And we were just going to kind of see it, maybe walk on the sidewalk, but they were having a yard sale. They were having a yard sale, which gave us permission to get even closer. And then during the yard sale, I happened to mention to one of the family members I used to live here. I said, could I just peek in? And, um, and they invited us in to see this space. This was a wonderful home. And I hadn't been in it for 60 years. And you know, sometimes our memory kind of distorts things. But, but most of what I recalled was right there. And a lot of what I recalled and treasured about that place was the walls. They had stone walls along the outside and stone walls in some parts of the inside. And I loved climbing those stone walls. If there was a wall, I was on top of it, much to my mother's chagrin. The hallways were narrow, and it was one of those things where, you know, as a kid, you can go down the hallway without touching the ground. I was an expert at that. And trees, we had wonderful trees, and any tree with a low enough branch I was in it, and as far up as I thought the branches would hold me. After we stopped by the house, we went on to Spring Grove Cemetery to visit our parents' grave, and then we went to Skyline. <laughs> you know, what is a visit to Cincinnati with Skyline? Then we went to the climbing gym in Oakley. Now, you could really question the order of those two events, Skyline and then a climbing gym. Fortunately, young people have very good digestive systems. So my granddaughter loves climbing. She loves climbing, and so she was scampering up those walls immediately. My son had been on one before, but he decided he'd try again, and my niece, who'd never been on a climbing wall, decided she was game. So they're all climbing, and my sister and I are comfortably sitting on a bench. And I've just recalled all of those wonderful walls I used to climb and those trees I used to climb. 
And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, maybe I could do this. At 75, maybe I could do this. I have to tell you, it is a glint in my eye for my sabbatical. But I will only do it if I've trained to do it. Um, but it was that widening of my vision of what was possible, what the potential was there. Because I had long been sitting on a bench watching my granddaughter for many years now. So you can imagine when I read the lesson for today, and here is Zacchaeus climbing a tree. I am all in. I mean, here is a kindred spirit. It also felt like a much more warm and welcoming lesson than some of the harder lessons we've had in the Gospel of Luke recently. In downtown Bible study, Christine Andrew reminded us of a song she knew as a child. And many of you may know it too. And if Melanie were up here instead of me, she would sing it. But I am just going to tell you the verse. Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree for the savior he wanted to see. I almost asked Melanie if she would come sing it right now, but I hadn't given her any advance warning. But you do not want to hear me sing. But this song, the story itself, captures the imagination of very young people and older people. It can inspire us, give us solace. Last week's gospel reading included a reference to a tax collector. Jesus shared the parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee is praying, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast a week, twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. And the tax collector, not far away, is standing separately and he's looking down and beating his chest and praying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus is very clear when he says, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. So this week, a chapter later, we encounter another tax collector. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. That means other tax collectors report to him. And we know as a tax collector, he is doing the Roman government's bidding. We also know that tax collectors acquire their wealth by overcharging people, taking advantage of those who have to pay. And these facts, Zacchaeus's profession, Zacchaeus's wealth, would tell us that he is disliked, distrusted, likely despised. And the gospel lesson describes him as one who all in the crowd considered a sinner. Zacchaeus is also described as short by stature. He's short and he wants to see Jesus. So he doesn't want to get stuck in the back of a crowd. He wants to choose his spot. So he runs ahead knowing path that Jesus will take, finds just the right tree, scrambles up into the tree, he has his perch, and he waits. He wants to see Jesus. We can only imagine that Zacchaeus's encounter with Jesus was more than he ever, ever could have imagined. 
Jesus looks up, sees Zacchaeus perched in the tree, calls him by name, calls him by name, and invites himself over to his house. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. We are told that Zacchaeus comes down immediately and welcomes Jesus. And the crowd is grumbling. We can imagine the crowd grumbling. They're saying, Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Jesus has heard this kind of grumbling before. But Zacchaeus is not deterred by any of this. Zacchaeus stands there, and he speaks to Jesus. And he says, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. We might understand this lesson as Zacchaeus's immediate repentance and conversion. And, and that is kind of the simplest track for us to take today. But in reading the commentaries, there was also the comment that the verb tense in our Revised Standard Translation um, steers us in that direction, whereas the Greek verb tense could be read as present or future. So Zacchaeus may have been telling Jesus, I am doing these things. Despite how people see me, I am already doing these things. I think whether we understand it as a conversion experience or we understand it as a, a lifelong commitment that he has made, we can understand that salvation has come. We understand that salvation has come through Zacchaeus' repentance and turning to Jesus, or through Jesus' acceptance of him and his being restored to community. But either pathway, Jesus' teaching is clear. He has come to seek out and save the lost. And in this case, it's Zacchaeus who has been found. The story tells us that despite how the world might see Zacchaeus, that Jesus sees him very differently. Zacchaeus is more than his wealth, more than his job, more than his physical stature and how he is judged by others. Jesus sees him and calls him by name and invites him into relationship. The crowd has a very narrow, limiting view. Jesus sees more. Phil spoke last week about how easy it is for us to objectify the other, to demean or dismiss those who are different from ourselves, who think differently, behave differently, who see themselves differently. Much as the crowd has harshly judged Zacchaeus, how quickly we can define others and limit our vision of them. How narrow our views can become. There was a poignant story reported on CNN's website earlier this month. It's part of a series that they are running that's called Undivided. And it told of a former US Marine, Mac McKinney, who had served in Iraq and Afghanistan and developed a deep hatred toward Islam. Upon his return to the US, his feelings intensified and became targeted at the Islamic Center 
in his community in Indiana. And he acknowledges that he went there to scout the place and determine where he could best place a bomb because he wanted to destroy the place. He expected that he would die that day also. Instead of the hate that he had magnified and projected onto a faith and a community, he found himself met with kindness, literally disarmed by kindness and a hug. Acceptance and kindness would come to be the beginning of healing and transformation and eventually his conversion. Those who Mac McKinney had objectified, judged, hated, became his community, his people, his bridge to healing and love. A documentary of his story is titled Stranger at the Gate, and it was released earlier this year. Had all the participants in this story stayed trapped in their narrow views, filled with fear and hatred, a terrible tragedy would have occurred. Lives would have been lost. Our narrow views limit us, imprison us. When we allow ourselves open to God's view, we can see each other's humanity. We can respond in love and open to the possibility of God's healing grace for all. Undoubtedly, many of us have strong feelings about what's going on in our world today. At this time, nearing elections, political rhetoric is fierce. Words that are calling out hatred, that are calling for violence, that are, are disrespecting and and taking away the, wanting to take away the freedoms of people are said loudly. And this is not to condone any of those words. It's not to condone them. They are not respectful of human dignities, individual rights. Those expressions of hatred and calls to violence clearly run counter to Jesus' teaching, to our baptismal covenant. But it is to say that the views we hold may also be very limited views of fellow human beings, labeling individuals and groups, treating them as outcasts, are also directly counter to Jesus's teachings. The former associate rector here, Charlie Brumbaugh, used to have the quote at the bottom of his stationery, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Yes, be kind. These very folks who we want to label sinners may very much be the lost Jesus seeks to save. Sometimes that harsh judgment we experience in our minds is also aimed towards ourselves our sense of not measuring up, not measuring up to our own expectations or those of others, our struggle with issues or with relationships, our failure to advocate for others, our reluctance to give what we might, our quickness to judge. As we confess, we talk of things we have done and things we have left undone. Left to our own devices, we can ju judge ourselves pretty harshly. 
And it's important for us to remember that Jesus also comes to redeem the lost parts of ourselves, the parts that we have cast out, the parts where we feel shame and unworthiness. Sometimes it takes so little to trigger them, to bring them to the surface, and we can quickly spiral down. Jesus comes to heal the seemingly broken parts within us. We are loved as we are, and Jesus also sees the potential. Jesus holds the wider view. So how did Zacchaeus learn of Jesus? Well, probably someone told him about this man of God who accepted even tax collectors. Perhaps Zacchaeus held hope in his heart for his acceptance. How was that tragedy averted in Indiana? Perhaps the people of the Islamic Center saw not only anger and hatred within their visitor, but also fear and pain and need. Perhaps they were listening to God, were inspired to respond with love. And how might we respond to the harshness and judgment we've experienced within ourselves? Perhaps when we are attentive to our own actions and reactions in the world and in ourselves, we might pause, we might pray that our hearts be open to a wider perception that we might see through the eyes of Jesus' love. Amen.